If Madden's taught me anything, running the ball on first down would have been the best choice, but that's just me. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble. Today we're going to be breaking down the three games from Sunday. We're going to be previewing a big 11-game Martin Luther King Day slate in the NBA and looking at Week 15 in general across the league. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let us get to it indeed. We will start where we always do on these shows. Monstrous line of the night. The monstrous line of the night goes to Carl Anthony. Carl Anthony. Carl Anthony Towns of the Minnesota Timberwolves in the two-point victory over the Phoenix Suns. Towns played 39 minutes, scored 30 points with 12 rebounds, hit a three, had four assists, four steals, and a block. Wasn't overly efficient from the field, just the eight of 22, but a perfect 13 of 13 from the free throw line. He's putting up some really, really strong numbers, uh, of course, this season, finding himself inside the top 10, top five over the last month. There's scope for him to finish the year as a top uh, top five guy. I think he can get there, although of late, the minutes for Towns have been a little bit muted. Obviously, that wasn't the case in today's game, but over the last uh, over the last two weeks, he is only playing 30 minutes per night, a little bit down from some of the huge minutes totals we have seen from him throughout his career in, uh, in previous seasons, so that is how having somewhat of an impact on where he's going to end up as the season goes on, but a strong performance from him now, to be honest. He was being guarded by Quincy Acey and Dragon Bender, so it wasn't like he had the most robust defense again. Him, Bender's not a terrible defender, nor is Acey, but they're small bodies, and they can get uh, really beasted by him, and that was what actually happened in this game as Towns put up some strong, strong numbers. So he is your monstrous line of the night. Waiver wire line of the night. The waiver wire line of the night goes to Patrick Beverly of the Los Angeles Clippers. 42 minutes for Beverly, 18 and 12 with four threes, five assists, four steals and a block and shot the ball really well as well. Five of nine from the field. He got those extra minutes because the Clippers were missing Lou Williams and the rooster Danilo Gallinari. So Beverly moved back into the starting lineup. I'm not looking at this as some indication that I need to go and grab Beverly or anything like that. Yes, Gallinari could miss the next three games or so on the road trip. Lou Williams could miss a couple of games here as well. But that's just short-term value. And then he'll go back to that 25, 24-minute-a-night role. But if you are looking for some short-term value, yeah, Beverly might be worth having a look at while Gallinari and Williams are sidelined. But this is not a play where you go, oh, shit, I think we're going to be getting Beverly as a top 100, top 80 guy for the rest of the season. I don't see that being the case here for the Clippers. So it might be a case of, look, sure, with the way things are going in Phoenix, maybe you do want to drop DeAnthony Melton. I understand that. But are you doing it for two games of Patrick Beverly? Maybe. Maybe you need those two games worth of production. But overall, over the long term, the upside and the potential of Melton probably exceeds what we get from Beverly, even if, again, I'll talk about Melton in a sec, things are traveling in the wrong direction with him, which uh, yeah, busts my balls to no degree. No degree? Every degree. That's that's, that's I'm struggling with my phrases here. The deep leaguer of the night goes to the aforementioned Quincy Acey of the Phoenix Suns. 19 minutes for Acey, 8 points with 2 triples, 4 assists and 3 blocks. He's on his second 10-day contract with Phoenix. The extra minutes in this one just because of the absence of Aiton and Holmes. Since he's been signed, he's played in every single game. It seems like a weird uh, coaching slash front office move to bring in a guy like Acey, who's okay, but at the age of 28, he's not doing anything long-term and giving him consistent minutes in every night when you've got some other guys on that team that maybe you want to see if they can do anything to to develop at all. But I don't know. I don't know. Are they going to bring Acey in full-time now for the rest of the season? I'd be pretty uh, pretty stunned if that is going to happen uh, here. But, you know, this is nice to get those blocks, but it's not something that anybody really, and he is less than 5% rostered for a reason. He's rostered in 0% of leagues, and I think that's the way that it should remain a guy, an older sort of guy on a 10-day contract, um, who I don't think is going to be able to maintain minutes or even a spot on this roster as the season moves on. Young Gun of the Night. The Young Gun of the Night is Derek White 
of the San Antonio Spurs. 35 minutes for Whitey, just nine points. Three of eight shooting, heard him there. Five rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block, and a triple. And that's where the value comes in, is being able to contribute in those multiple categories. White, over the last month, is the 53rd ranked player. That's because he was shooting 58%. So if we tone that down a bit, over the last two weeks, 55%. And that has him as a top 100 player. And I think that's sort of the, the numbers we should be looking at with White. Now, some of his... Now, some of his assist numbers have fallen. They haven't been fantastic. And you know, expecting him to be a 54% shooter from the field, I don't think, is a realistic expectation. But the defensive numbers, the block numbers, all of those are there for White at the moment. And they're, they're looking relatively strong. And I do think that he should be a 12-team league guy, although that monthly rank of 53 is probably at the upper end of where he should be or where he is going to be as this season rolls on. I don't think he's losing this starting job anytime soon uh, to anybody on this team. There is nobody who's going to take this starting point guard job away from him. And um, yeah, probably should be on a majority of rosters as uh, as we roll forward with this season. Um, let's move on to the next one, which is, oh, we're up to the dud of the night already. Ah, uh, yes. Andy Wigo Wiggins. Of the Minnesota Timberwolves is your dud of the night. Um, just another is disastrous. The right word it probably is for what he's uh, for what he's currently doing. It's just I, I don't know. He is. I'm, I'm just I'm at a loss for words when uh, when talking about Wiggins and what he's doing. Forty minutes, ten points, six rebounds, and a three. Zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. 3 of 14 from the field, and 3 of 7 from the free throw line. Wiggins is the 145th ranked player this season. He is outside the top 200 for this month. If you are in a 10-team league, I think that you don't need to be holding on to Andy Wiggins. I don't think that that's a thing. And to be honest, if you're the 145th ranked player over the season and 193rd over the last two months in a 12-team league... I can do better. I can do a lot better. Now, the scoring is fine, 18 points per game over those last 28 games, but a big hit in field goal percentage, a hit in free throw percentage, no assists, steals, blocks, or rebounds, and below one and a half threes does not make for a good fantasy basketball player. So if you want to get... Look, if you can trade him for anything, you probably can't after this game, but in a 12-team league, if you can trade him for any sort of player, a top 100 player, a top 120 player... You have to do it. We have been waiting. Oh, he's got, he's got the tools. He's got the tools. He's got the athleticism. He'll turn it around. We're waiting five years, and it just it's not happening. And after five years, every opportunity presented to him under the sun, maybe a lack of stability, you know, dickhead teammates, bad coaching, well, you can focus. That, that can all be a, an issue. But... I'm not holding him waiting for the penny to drop, so to speak, for this to all change, for all of a sudden him to become a passer, a defender, a guy who gets steals and blocks, who shoots efficiently. Just not happening. He continues to get worse in almost every category, every single season, and that is not the sort of player that is a must-roster guy in fantasy basketball. It's pretty sad. The plus-minus goats of the day, Quincy Acey, Plus seventy one point two, um, and uh, the worst net rating, Bryn Forbes, negative fifty six point five. We've talked about AC already. Forbes is really, really dropping off. He, I don't think he's a starting caliber NBA player. I've said that multiple times. He's sure as shit not a point guard. And I'm glad they made that move away from him at point guard. He has taken steps forward this season, but he's not really a fantasy asset, so to speak. Let's look at some injuries. Some big news came out. Wendell Carter Jr. and those uh, all knowing Bulls doctors. Significant uh, damage, going to be out for weeks. No, he's not. There's no damage to the ligament. He's going to be day-to-day. Uh, actually, it is a torn ligament. He's going to be out for up to uh, up to three months, which basically ends his season. We know that Punch Bob Shiploke is the big beneficiary there. He started one game, came off the bench in the other. Deeper leagues, you could have a look at Robin Lopez, same as Jabari Parker, who's played himself into a regular sub-20-minute-a-night role. Neither Lopez nor Jabari are 12-team league guys. Anthony Davis has suffered a finger injury. He'll be out for the next couple of weeks. That boosts the value of Julius Randle and Nick Miritich. And for deeper leagues, you look at Jaleel Okafor. It also boosts the short-term value of Drew Holiday and probably eats one more as they get more usage and have to be relied upon to score more with Davis out. 
The one that everyone wants to hear about is Ken Fareed of the Brooklyn Nets, who's agreeing to a buyout and will sign with Houston on Monday. He's going to play, according to Woj, significant minutes while Clinker Paller is out. I think that makes him worthy of a flyer in a 12-team league. It might be four weeks worth of 25 minutes a night and a double-double with high field goal percentage. He doesn't do much for assists, steals, blocks, hurts you in free throws. Has hit some threes this season, but I'm not ready to fully buy that. But I think he can be a you know, a 50% Clinker Paller type of a player without the blocks, the points, the rebounds, the high field goal percentage. I think in the short term, we should be having a look at Fareed in Houston. Andre Drummond is dealing with a concussion. Zaza Pachulia started last game, will likely start on Monday as well. That's just a really short-term type of stream. It might be a week. We don't know how long the concussion is going to last. That's impossible to predict. The Rooster, I talked about him already, Danilo Gallinari, with those back spasms. He says he's not, uh, Doc says he's not with the team. They're at the start of a four-game road trip, so that could be another three games on the sideline for Gallinari. While Lou Williams is with the team, he missed Sunday's action, but at any point, he could be back for the next game. So the Gallinari one, I tied that in with Patrick Beverly early on and helped Shea Gildas-Alexander also to get some more minutes, but it doesn't appear with Lou especially to be a uh, to be a long-term problem. The other big injury news, Lonzo Ball suffered a grade three ankle sprain. The Lakers said four to six weeks. I I don't think that's accurate. I think we're going to be looking at eight to 10 weeks would be my guess for Lonzo. Uh, I reckon in most cases without an IR, he's a drop. Rondo is likely to be back in the next game or two. He is a clear add right across the board. Deeper leagues, you can look at Lance Stevenson as an add, maybe 16 teamers and 20 teamers, you're looking at Alex Caruso. But I think Lonzo's a drop and Rondo's an add. And that's a pretty clear move to me. Well, Dennis Smith Jr. and his illness is going to be cured pretty soon. He'll be back with the team on Tuesday. Him and Rick Carlisle had a conversation. Carlisle apologized. And maybe the odds of him getting traded have diminished as of late. I still think that he, regardless if he stays on Dallas or not, I still think he's a back-end 12-team league guy. And if he is on my wire, I would grab him just to see where this goes. You've got two two or three weeks until the trade deadline. He might find himself in a larger role in Dallas. That could work out. You know, They've all seemed to be reconciling over there in Dallas. So I would, I would add him if he is on my waiver wire. And just to see how this whole situation plays out with Dennis Smith now that he is likely to rejoin the Mavericks. On Tuesday, let's go in to look at these games now, the three of them across the NBA on Sunday. Um, The first one of those games, it was the Minnesota, not the Minnesota, God, I am really struggling today. It was the Charlotte Hornets and the Indiana Pacers. The uh, the Pacers blow them out 120 to 95. Kemba did his thing 23 with seven assists and 37 minutes. Well, Bismack Biombo a solid 10 and 12 in 24 minutes. Predicting his minutes is impossible. He's had two strong games in a row, and then the game before that he played nine minutes. So if you're looking for a high field goal percentage, rebounding, shot blocking, short term answer, Biombo could be that guy. Malik Monk got hot late for 11 points with two threes and two steals, but nothing to really see there. Lamb struggled, Batum struggled, and Marvin Williams didn't do a huge amount. Nine points on 13 shots. I think there was that little stretch where Williams was a 12-team league guy. I feel pretty good in saying that that's no longer the case. On to the paces. Daz Collison, 19-3-9 with two steals. I thought he'd continue to get like 25, 26 minutes a night. They have really reduced Tyreek down. Only 15 minutes for Tyreek, and that's benefiting Collison. So, of course, he should be rostered in all leagues. Well, Evans scored well, 14 points, 5 assists. But I'm not relying upon a guy playing 15 minutes a night, which is what he is. An encouraging Oladipo performance, 7 assists, 3 steals, 21 points, and 2 triples, but still only 40% from the field, and that continues to be a worry, while Miles Turner had 16 boards with 3 blocks. So those, that rebounding from Turner is fantastic. The blocks have been absolutely awesome from him. Sabonis, 16-8, and eight, did his thing, while Boyan Bogdanovich had a bit of a bounce back after a string of some poor performances, 16-7. and seven, I look at him as more of a 12-team streamer than really anything else there, while it wasn't a great night for Thad Young. Um, just a, a quick mention, Elise Johnson on this team. I think he's a real deep dynasty sleeper guy for maybe next year or the year before or the year after. I think he can be a 25-minute a night, uh, maybe top 180 type of a player, which, for, again, deep dynasties, that can be useful. And he's a, a name if you want to get on someone, uh, get on board now. Uh, he could be that guy that, that has a, an interesting um, interesting career. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do at some point anyway. The Clippers beat the Spurs 103-95. Toby Harris had 27-9-9 and with three steals. That is a massive game from him. Really, really strong with Gallinari out. Well, they also made a change to the starting lineup. The table Montrez Harrell was put in over Marching Gortat. Now, we all know that Harrell's clearly the best center on this team. 
and it doesn't really bother me whether he starts or not. I do think that some of him starting was due to the absence of Gallinari, just to get a little bit more offensive firepower in there, but he really shouldn't move back to the bench at any point for Gortat. So 18-4 and four with a steal doesn't really change his value all that much. It was a strong game from Avery Bradley, who's been disastrous all season. 15 points in 41 minutes, 5 rebounds and 4 assists, but he's really just that deeper league, 20-team, 18-team league guy. While Gildas Alexander played a lot, that's great, 38 minutes. 7-4-3 and three on 3 of 15 shooting is pretty poor, and I don't think that he is an ad. As much as I like him, I worry that when Williams and Gallinari comes back, he goes back to 20 minutes a night. Gortat, only the 7 minutes off the bench, and uh, John Motley, really looking good there. 18 minutes, 10-4. and four. Go back and look at his game log from last season in Dallas. He put up some strong performances to end the season. Uh, he was ahead of Mike Scott in this one, Prison Mike. So that's definitely worth noting. Luke Marmute is apparently dead. We don't know if we're ever going to see him without knee injury. And so Motley, a two-way guy, but a two-way guy, a guy that's producing, um, is worth a look in those deeper formats. For the Spurs, DeMar DeRozan. I was pretty down on DeRozan heading into the season. I think I had him ranked outside the top 50. And then he made me look like a dead-set dickhead to begin the year because he was like a top 20 guy for the first month. Now we are seeing a massive, massive slump kick in for DeRozan, and he is struggling in a really big way. Uh, eight points, seven rebounds on uh, four of 16 shooting and didn't get to the line at all. Over the last two weeks, he's the 168th ranked player. He's outside the top 50 over the last two months and outside the top 70 over the last month. It's been a real, real struggle for DeMar, and he is starting to settle in to that sort of player that I was worried about how he would be in San Antonio, and we are sort of starting to see that with him now, and it's um, it's definitely a, a level of concern for him moving forward. Is he a buy-low sort of a player? Um yeah, I, I guess you could say that, but don't look at him as the player who's going to turn back into that guy that we saw at the beginning of the season. I don't think that sort of expectation for DeRozan is legitimate, but I do think that he can have somewhat of a bounce back from uh, from at least where he is now, because this is a really rough patch, but it's been going for quite a while. Rudy Gay was great, 19-8. and eight. Aldridge had 30 and 14 with two blocks, and... Uh, and uh, Bertans knocked in another two triples, as did Ballinelli. Those two guys, consistent source of streaming threes. Talked about Forbes earlier. He had three, two, and two in 27 minutes. Battled some foul trouble, but also battled the fact that he isn't very good. The last game of the night was the Phoenix Suns and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Wolves win 116-114. Kelly Oubre, 18 points on 58% shooting. Four triples, two steals, and eight rebounds. He still doesn't get any assists whatsoever. But the minutes are pushing up for Ubre, and the shooting is a lot better. He was one of those guys that he would only put up good performances when he would shoot well. The thing is now, he is shooting well on a more consistent basis, and over the last two weeks, he's a top 50 guy. Over the last month, he's still outside the top 100, but that's the difference between 49% and 46% from the field. So I do look at him as a guy that, that should be rostered in all leagues, but I worry that some of what he's doing now has a level of unsustainability, especially... Uh, the 39% shooting from three, a guy who historically has really been a dreadful three-point shooter. Dragon Bender started for Aiton, 12 and 10 for Bender. Didn't shoot the ball well. He'll likely just be back out of the rotation after that. While D'Anthony Melton, I referenced this earlier, only 13 minutes is really disappointing, especially when you're only giving Ali Okobo six minutes. So you've got two rookie point guards, and they play less than 20 minutes combined so that Jamal Crawford can play 21 minutes. Ugh, it's, it's pretty gross in that respect. But I do want... look. If that's the sacrifice to get more Booker at point guard and get more of those wings on the court, then I'm okay with it. Just the 21 minutes for, for Crawford, I'm, I'm not here for it. TJ Warren played 38 minutes, 21 points with two steals. I, I do worry that some of his value may drop as the season goes on. Actually, back to Melton. I, you know I've got faith in him. I thought his minutes would push towards 27. They're actually going in the opposite direction now, which is a bit of a worry. I still think if you're in a strong position, he is a bit of a hold. If you're in a battle position, a playoff battle type of position, then moving on from him, it might be the move you need to make. Booker had 18-6-6. McCall Bridges, defense, and that's what he does. Three steals, a block, and a triple with nothing else. And Joshie Jackson had 15-5 and in his 23 minutes. Still just more of a 14 or 16-team league guy. For the uh, Timberwolves, there was no Tyus Jones. Uh, Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. He was ill before the game, questionable. He started, but then left about halfway through the third quarter and never returned. He had four points with eight assists. That'll be one to monitor. That meant Rose had to play a shit ton. Derek Rose played 38 minutes. He hit the game winner. He had 31 points with four rebounds and three assists. 
He also had a triple zero, no threes, no steals, and no blocks, but those minutes led to some big numbers. While Taj Gibson also did well, 17 points in 24 minutes, really just a deeper format player. While the boost from Sharich we thought may occur with Ryan Saunders in charge has not occurred. 20 minutes, 9 points for Dario. Um, while Josh Kogi started and played only 11 minutes, he picked up four fouls in that time. That meant we got more minutes for Anthony Tolliver. We had 22 minutes from Jared Bayless there as well. Uh, well, Gorgie Jeng, four minutes. Yes. Remember, remember that as well? Like that was a, people were looking at, did we add Jeng? Do we add uh, Sharich after the, the Tibbs firing? I was pretty, pretty interested in adding Sharich. There was always a concern about how those minutes would pan out. But the Jeng one, which is never going to work out, and it's somehow gotten worse. Four minutes is a... Uh, it's not a good amount of minutes for a guy like Gorgie Jeng. All right, that will uh, that'll wrap up the uh, the coverage of Sunday's games. Now, um, for those of you listening on audio, we're going to do a week fifteen preview. Those of you on YouTube, you can see that as a separate video. Hi guys, let's take a look now at week fifteen in the NBA. Trying to work out the best way to set your fantasy lineups, or you know, take advantage of streaming through fantasy leagues to help you push towards the playoffs or the top of the rotisserie standings for week fifteen. The team with the best schedule in the NBA is the Chicago Bulls. They play four games, one of eighteen teams to play four games. But the difference that separates them from the other guys is the quality of their opponents. Now, the Bulls are getting smacked on a regular basis, but three of their games this week are against the Cavs and the Hawks, twice against Cleveland, once to, once against Atlanta. Now, Atlanta clearly playing better than Chicago, but it's a game that the Bulls can at least keep close. And both of those teams allow a lot of fantasy uh, production to be uh, to be achieved against them. So they have the Cavs twice, they have the Hawks, they also have the Clippers, and that makes for the best fantasy schedule. So guys like Bobby Portis uh, should be rostered in most formats, but even Chandler Hutchison or Jabari Parker, maybe even Robin Lopez in a deeper format might be someone you take a look at because of the advantage that the Bulls get this week. On the flip side, the team with the worst schedule, the Indiana Pacers, one of two teams to play just two games this week, them and the Charlotte Hornets. The Pacers' opponents are quite tough. They take on the Toronto Raptors and the Memphis Grizzlies, and their first game is not until Wednesday. By contrast, the Hornets have the Grizzlies as well, but also the Bucks, which is a little bit more free-flowing, high-pace, up-tempo sort of a game. So guys like Victor Oladipo for the Pacers, Miles Turner, they're going to be hard to lock into a weekly lineup in 10-10 leagues. And in 12-team leagues, they're really borderline. In fact, I probably, in most cases, wouldn't be locking those guys in. Maybe you could put Oladipo in, but it's a little bit of touch and go. And guys that you may have had who are fringe players, Darren Collison, Thad Young, Boyan Bogdanovich, Tyreek Evans, these sort of players, if you're in need for wins right here and now, those two games that these guys get you this week, you might be better jettisoning them. Jettisoning jettisoning those guys, try to get my words right, and adding guys in to help you accumulate an extra one, two, three wins this week. That might be a move that you have to make based on the way that this schedule is playing out for the Indiana Pacers. Let's have a look at the week ahead. There are 18 teams with four games on this week. There are also only the two teams that have two games this week, as I mentioned already. It's a little bit different. Last week, we had games really spread out. This week, not so much. The uh, the games aren't as uh, aren't as kind to us in terms of uh, streaming value in fantasy basketball because of MLK Day. We have 11 games on Monday. We have four games Tuesday, 10 on Wednesday, four on Thursday, 10 on Friday, just the five on Saturday, and then nine on Sunday as the uh, NBA takes advantage of an NFL-less Sunday there. So the days we're looking to stream, we're looking at Tuesday, we're looking at Thursday, and we're looking at Saturday where those other days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, are going to be harder to be able to stream guys in on those days. In terms of teams that have the most uh, quality games for this week, the Portland Trailblazers, they have three, the only team this week to have three. And for example, I talked about the Chicago Bulls having the best schedule in terms of ease of opponents. They have four games, and all of them come on those uh, on those high-volume days. So while adding Bobby Portis or Chandler pa- uh, Hutchison or Jabari Parker for a weekly league might work, in a daily league, now Portis is a different story, but adding Hutchison or, or Parker, you might add them and you can't actually use them on your active roster. So a four-game week from them is very, very different from a four-game week for the Blazers where you can add Mo Harkless, you can add the Chief Al Farouk Aminu, you could add even maybe a Zach Collins or a Jake Lehman for a points bump or a blocks bump in a deeper type format and get those guys in and be able to use them on those lower volume type days. So that is important to be able to note that difference there. Of the 18 teams that do have four games, the Bulls, the Magic, the Heat, the Cavs, the Jazz, the Rockets, and the Knicks 
None of those guys have any quality games at all, which is quite weird. The teams with two quality games, the Thunder, the Suns, the Wolves, and the Pelicans. So a bit of streaming value for those guys. Whereas on the other side, the Warriors have three games only, but two of those are quality games. So perhaps streaming someone like Kavon Looney or Andre Iguodala, you might be able to get more value out of him than, say, a Chandler Hutchison in Chicago. Even though the Bulls play four games, the Warriors play three, you might actually be able to use those Warriors guys for those two games and none for those Bulls players. So it is very, very important to understand where these games come from, what days they're on, and the differences between a weekly lock league and a daily changes league. Because in the weekly lock league, you get a huge bump from those Bulls guys and locking them in might work, but on a daily changes league, they might not be in your best 10 players, therefore they don't uh, justify a position and will be used for streaming in that sort of a scenario. Um, let's have a look at some players who you might be able to find value in to lock into weekly lineups for this week. Maxi Kleber in Dallas. We don't know the status of Dennis Smith Jr. at this stage. Justin Holiday in Memphis is another guy that with Kyle Anderson now it's providing a little bit of value. Derek Favors, the Jazz have four games this week, so he's an interesting option. DJ Augustin and Terry Ross in Orlando with the four games. Also, they can become weekly lineup lock players. McCall Bridges in Phoenix, Bam Adebayo in Houston, uh, sorry, Houston in Miami, PJ Tucker in Houston, and Kenneth Fareed in Houston as well. Can all have some weekly value for this uh, week ahead and might be able to be locked into weekly lock lineups. All right, let's now take a look at DFS stuff. We will go into the perfect DFS lineups for Sunday. On DraftKings, Beverly, Rose, Toby Harris, Dragon Bender, Towns, Collison, Aldridge, and Bradley for a total of 371.75. And then on, oh, actually, how much does it cost? It costs 48700 so well under price. On Fangel, Collison, Beverly, Oladipo, Bradley, Ubre, Gay, Aldridge, Toby Harris, and Carl Anthony Towns for a total of 406.1, and that costs the full $60,000 All right, guys, let's take a look at the 11 games that we've got on Monday, MLK Day. Uh, very interesting day of basketball with the games spread all throughout the day. So uh, it's hard to get a, a really great DFS lineup going um, because of the because of the change in the uh, because of the change in the in the, I guess the start times, they're spread out right throughout the day. FanDuel is doing an all day contest. Uh, DraftKings is not, so I'm going to be looking at, at FanDuel pricing today because there's just so many different slates over on DraftKings: a four game slate, a five game slate, some two game slates, some three game slates. So check it out. But they are the ones that I would generally be looking to do. The 11 game all day slate is a little bit tough to uh, to try and get a, a great lineup into. So just be be aware of of this large volume slate, like a lot of games with huge time spread out can make it difficult to have a very successful day. So just be careful, I guess, with the volume that you're dealing with on a day like MLK Day. The first game we're going to take a look at is the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are taking on the New York Knicks. The Thunder are nine-point favorites. They'll be looking to bounce back here. The total is 227. Ennis Cantor missed the last game in London for the Knicks, so he should be back for this game. Obviously, that was not an injury-related issue. Trey Burke is listed as questionable for the Knicks. He hasn't been in the rotation anyway, so that's not really anything for us to pay too much attention to there. At point guard, we're looking at Emmanuel Moutier, who's at 6,600. He's giving us about 30 a night. 6,600 is probably a little bit too expensive there. On the other side of the equation is Russell Westbrook at 12,600. With the fan jewel pricing structure, he should be around that, you know, close to at least the 60 point marker. I think that's a possibility for him to get to. He's not the best high price guy on the, on the slate, but he is worth, worth a look at least with a, a fairly guaranteed floor. Um, I think that's probably the best way of phrasing that. Timmy Hardaway has been struggling. He's at 5,700, not playing many minutes, not producing, really only a tournament guy. While Schroeder's at 6,200, and I think that's a little bit too high for him. Maybe some value in Terry Ferguson at 3,800, who's hitting a lot of threes, but he doesn't do a huge amount else. Not super keen there. Damo Dotson at 4,000. Alonzo Trier at 36. Just a, a lot of garbage amongst these guys, and nothing that's really standing out as a strong option. Paul George is a strong option, though. 10,200, really like him. Strong cash play, better than Westbrook, I think, as a cash and as a tournament guy. While Mario Hazonia, he's been getting the minutes. His production waxes and wanes. I think that's probably a little bit too high in terms of salary. The Fort, Kevin Knox is at 5,300, has definitely been underperforming, averaging only 19 points over the last five games. 
With the volume that he gets, there's always the possibility of popping off a 30, 35 points. So that means he should be in your tournament pool, but that's it. Noah Vonley at 53 is too low of an upside for tournaments, too low of a floor for cash. So I'd fade that while Jeremy Grant at 63. I really like him in cash. I'm not, not so much for tournaments, but in cash, I'm really into it. Luke, the Cornetto Cornet, massive game last time, 39 uh, points, but... With Cantor back, with Robinson there, how are these minutes going to be distributed with Fisdale? We have no idea because he has no idea. So for Cornet, I think it's more for a GPP guy. If he gets 30 minutes, sure, but I'd say the odds of that happening are pretty low. And then at center, Cantor and Robinson, I'd fade those guys. And then you've got Steve Adams at 7,800. Centers have put up big numbers against the Nets. And the Nets, well, they have against the Nets. They've also done it against the Knicks. Adams is out having a strong run at the moment, about 37 points a night, which is okay at 7,800. So a pretty decent cash play, even if the tournament value isn't necessarily that high with Adams. The next game we take a look at, we've got the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls. Could the Bulls get a victory? Well, they're actually favored in a game, so that is a, that's a miracle in itself. At point guard, the Padawan, Colin Sexton's at 4,800. He had 26 points, 25 points actually last game, which was pretty strong. The Bulls, um, the one position they can defend adequately is point guard. Sexton really is just a tournament guy. Well done. He's still at 7,100. He's done very well against Cleveland in the past. His last few games have been pretty piss poor. So I'd look for him as a tournament guy. I'd have him over Sexton. Significantly higher upside, but fitting that extra salary in might be the challenge there. Campaign started last game for the Cavs. Uh, This is his revenge game. Uh, He started over Alec Burks. He was terrible in that performance, but he has had a 30-point game in the last week or so. So there is, I guess, some upside there at 4,000. Maybe worth a tournament look, but that's about it. Big Shaq Harrison, Archer Jackano, probably not. Levine's at 6,700. I like Levine here. It's good for cash, good opponent, tournament upside. I really like the option there. Well, Jordy Clarkson at 52. Alec Burks, eh, probably not. Small forward, Chandler Hutchison is at 3,800. We know the minutes are going to be there. We know the matchups are real positive for Hutch. So I do like him as a tournament guy. You've got Blossom Game and Osman for the Cavs. I don't really think any of those guys are worth it. But Rocket Rodney Hood at 4,100. I really like that for tournaments. He dropped 28 in the last game in only 27 minutes. He is quite up and down, quite fluky. But of late, he's been in that mid-20 zone majority of the time. And at 4,100, that, that's a really nice price. Well, Jabari Parker at 4, uh, 5,000 sorry, is too overpriced. Punch Bob Shiploke at 5,200. Bobby Portis, love that price. I think an absolute cash lock at that salary. Well, Lowry Markin at 6,900. Giggity. I think we have to look at Lowry as a decently strong play. For the Cavs, um, Tristan Thompson is out. So Ante Zizic at center at 4,700. One of the best plays on the board. Love that. He'll be really highly rostered in cash. And then for the Bulls, Robin Lopez started last game. Not sure if he will again. He is at 3,500 minimum salary. Yeah, not not a terrible cash option, but also not the best one. And for tournaments, the upside, I don't think, is really there at all for old, uh, for old Rob Lopez. Next up, we look at the Detroit Pistons taking on the Washington Wizards. No spread or total out for this game at the moment. Andre Drummond is out with that concussion issue. So we're going to get Zaza Pachulia starting once again at point guard. Let's go that direction first. You've got 5,200 for Reggie Jackson. Ish Smith is questionable. His uh, status will impact what Reggie can do. Still just for tournaments, though. Well, Ish, probably not one I'm looking at. Sadoransky's at 6,400. I love Sadoransky at 5,500. At 6,400, I'm not sure I can say the same thing, so he'd probably be a fade. I love Brad Beal, though. 10-4 for him. He's giving you 55 a night over the last five. That's perfect at 10,400. Really, really like him. I'd probably prefer him as a high-priced guy to, say, someone like Russell Westbrook. Reggie Bullock's at 4,900. He does okay for category leagues. For DFS, he just isn't that good. While the Duck, Luke Kennard's at 4,200, and just... Quietly, Kennard is averaging 28 points over the last three. And if Ish Smith is out, he's not a terrible GPP type of a guy. The uh, the Shark, Bruce Brown. Baby shark, when Smith plays, his minutes go up. When Sorry, when Smith plays, his minutes go down. When Smith is out, his minutes go up. I don't think he's a strong option here anyway. And the new holder of the title... Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Langston Galloway actually out of the rotation entirely last game, replaced by Kyrie Thomas. That means a 20-point game is probably on the cards for Galloway, such is the nature of his performances. Otto Porter really thriving in this high-usage role. 7500 is his price tag coming off the bench. He's giving you 37 a night. That's not a bad play. The salary is probably a little bit high. Um, and not not super interested, but there is something there, I think, for Porter. Green, uh, Slam and Sammy Decker, Stan Johnson, Troy Brown, no interest in any of them. 
Blake Griffin, I am interested in, though. 9,900, he is carrying this team. He should be good for 50-plus here, really, really into Griffo. And at center, Zaza Pachulia, just $100 over minimum. He's at 3,600. He started last game, put up 29 points. If he isn't in your lineup in cash, I think you're doing something really, really wrong. Uh, I suppose you could put Zizic in there, but the, the value for Pachulia... I think is significantly higher. Tom Bryant at 6,800. He's not playing enough for me, and Mahinmi not really worth uh, worth a look either. Let's go on to the next game, the Dallas Mavericks and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are 11.5-point favorites. The total is 227.5. The Bucks have been crushing a lot of people, and that's really limiting a lot of the playing time for their guys. And with a double-digit spread here, it could be more of the same. Dennis Smith Jr. will be out for this game, but he will return in the next one, while DeAndre Jordan is listed as probable with an ankle injury at point guard. The burner, Jalen Brunson's a minimum salary guy. He had 20 points last game. I think it helped that Luka Doncic was ejected in that game to get Brunson some extra minutes. Not super interested here, while Eric Bledsoe's really turned it up. But at 7,700, is the value there for Bledsoe in a blowout potential scenario? Probably not. Brogdon's at 5,900. His, his value in category leagues is fantastic. In DFS, it's not as good as 5,900, so that's a fade. While Wesley Matthews and Chrissy Middleton, probably not all that interesting to me. Maybe Matthews for a GPP guy uh, would be the guy we'd look at. Doncic is at 8,900. That is a fairly aggressive price for Doncic. Uh, that means he's going to need to get you 45 plus, and I'm just not certain that that's a, a great investment. I love Yanni. 11.5 is a strong price. Now, the, the risk with Antetokounmpo here is the blowout, and they play him 25 minutes. But he's still putting up, in fact, over his last three, he's averaging 49 points in 26 minutes, which is an absolutely nonsense type of number. So 49 wouldn't be the end of the world at 11,000. It just wouldn't be the best result you could hope for. The pencil Harrison Barnes is at 5,800. He is just a low upside, low floor player, which is a terrible combination. While Maxi Cleaver, probably the highest GPP upside-ish type guy in this slate, at 4,800, the numbers have been a little bit down, but he's got that, you know, hit three threes, have four blocks type of uh, upside in him, which on Fangio converts to pretty strong numbers. DJ Wilson at 3,800, he's giving you over 20 a night over the last five, and at 3,800, I don't think you should be completely discounting that he's playing over McCare, he's playing over Ilya Sova, and he's getting 20 a night, and if it is a blowout, more minutes will be coming his way. At center, DeAndre Jordan is at 7,000. He has done very well against the Bucks in the past, and that is worth paying attention to. I think he is someone to look at if we hear that he is healthy and ready to go. While 5,200 for Brook Lopez, I think that is a relatively strong cash play as well. Let's go on now to the next game. We have got the Orlando Magic and the Atlanta Hawks. No spread or total out for this one, waiting on the status of Aaron Gordon. For the Hawks, both The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, and Alex Len are listed as probable. In this one, Kent Bazemore still remains sidelined. If Gordon is out, it pushes John Isaac up to power forward. It means John Simmons will likely enter the starting lineup again as what happened last game. Jeremy Lin is at 4,600. Lin has routinely carved up the Magic, averaging 35 the last three times against them in only 26 minutes. I think he's a tournament guy, but really nothing more. While Trey Young at 7,300. I love what Young is doing at the moment. Not a bad cash scenario for him here. 49 for DJ Augustine. I'm going to say that, look, he's getting those numbers, you know, 25 a night routinely, but the inconsistency takes him away from being a cash guy and is the upside high enough to be a tournament guy? I think in both cases, the answer to that is no. At shooting guard, Kevin Herter at 55, really, really like Herter here. He dropped 40 the last time out. And Fournier at 6,000 seems to have gotten his season back on track. So I do like both Fournier and Herter in this one. Terry Ross also at 5,100, just a 27-28 point per game guy. And if Gordon remains out, I think it solidifies him a little bit more. So I do like Terry Ross a bit here. Torian Prince, the artist formerly known as, he's at 4,100. He had 27 last game. The minutes are on the rise. I love that price for Prince. I'd be happy to use him. Johnny Isaac at 48 is just a tournament guy, nothing more. While DeAndre Bembry at 56, I think with Prince's minutes rising, it's hard to rely upon Bembry yet. Well, not yet now. Johnny Collins, the Baptist, 8,300. That is, I think that's too high for Collins, that salary. Aaron Gordon at 7,000 would be a DPP guy if he does play. And then at center, Vooch is at 9,400. Love Vooch here. This is almost a 45-point floor. Really, really love him. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman at 6,000 is too expensive. Mo Bumba and Alex Len. I don't really see the scenario where they're going to be useful GPP guys. Um... Let's move on now. We've got the next game up. It is the Sacramento Kings and the Brooklyn Nets. 
The uh, the Nets are three point favorites. The total is two hundred and thirty. The two most surprising teams in the NBA going head to head here. Injury wise, I think we're pretty okay. We know that Alan Crabb still remains out for Brooklyn at point guard. Spencer Dinwiddie is at fifty nine hundred. I think that's too expensive for Spence. Darren Fox at eight thousand also probably a little bit too expensive with the way that Jaeger has in general been reducing his playing time. And then you've got uh, Shabazz Napier and Yogi Ferrell. Now, Napier played well last game, 26 points at 3,900. That's really, really strong. I don't have uh, full trust in that. The guy I do want to look at is D'Angelo Russell, 7,900, averaging over 40 in his last five. Another 40-pointer should be something you should uh, have good uh, good reliability on. And Budrick Heald at 5,900. Super play. Bud dropped 52 last game. I think both Russell and Heald are strong cash and tournament options, while Bogdan Bogdanovich at 6,000 has been fading a bit, and when you can get healed cheaper than Bogdanovich, that was that would be the direction I would go for. Uh, Trivion Graham, likely to start again at power forward, but not uh, likely to make too much of an impact. Smoke and Joe Harris at 5,000. There are better ways to spend 5,000. In fact, spending 4,800 on Damari Carroll is probably a better option than doing that with uh, with Joe Harris, while Bialito is a massive, massive fade. Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks is at 4,200. Harry Giles at 3,600. There's some upside in either of those guys. They could very easily go for 30. If I'm going to pick one of them for tournaments, it would be Kuroks. While Marvin Bagley at 58. Love what Bagley's starting to do at the moment, but I think that salary is probably just a little bit too elevated. Although, centers and big men against the Nets do get a boost, and that's what Bagley is. So he could be a, a tournament sort of a player. Hollis Jefferson is a strong, strong fade. At center, Jarrett Allen at 7,100. He is really cranking out big numbers at the moment. I like him a lot here. While Corley Stein at 7,900, too expensive for Will. I would much rather take Allen and save myself money in the process. The Pelicans and the Grizzlies up next. No spread or total yet. Anthony Davis is out with that finger issue, while Marcus Gasol has been upgraded to probable after missing the last game. Joachim Noah remains sidelined for the Grizzlies. At point guard, Conley is down to 7,800. He has done well against the Pelicans in the past, averaging 38 the last three times that these teams have met. I like Conley here. Lord Alfred Payton's at 5,500, inexplicably benched for Tim Frazier last game by Gentry. I don't really see the upside there in Payton. And then you've got uh, Shelvin Mack at 4,400, who is giving you over 20, over 24 a game over the last four, four, uh, five games. Is it cash-worthy? Perhaps. Is it tournament-worthy? No. Javon Carter and Frank Jackson, not much to see there. I like uh, Justin Holiday at 4,800. Uh, probably will start again, should get minutes. He's a little bit up and down, so probably more of a tournament guy. While his brother Drew at 9,000, I think he's pretty strong for cash given the Davis absence. Garrett Temple, not interested at all. Nick Miritic at 6,100, should see more minutes, should see more usage. I like Miritic here. Etwan Moore also should get a usage bump with Davis out at 4,500. He's still just more of a tournament guy though. While Omri Caspi's at 45, remember he used to play for the Pelicans and they inexplicably cut him. He's at 4,500. I don't really think we need to get uh, too interested in him. Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., 6,100 for Jacko. I think he is a GPP guy, really, um, given the way that he gets limited by Dickerstaff as the coach. Jermichael Green, 5,800, has been putting up strong numbers, but I can't rely upon Green. He started last game and had nine points and played 14 minutes. So again, no reliability in what he does. Ivan Rubb, Czech Diallo, yeah, probably knows. At center, Gasol at 7,400, has struggled in the past with Davis, but he doesn't have Davis to deal with here. At 7,400, I think he's a tournament guy. While Randall at 82, love Randall at 82. I think that's really strong. While Okafor at minimum salary, could he do something? The answer, in all likelihood, is probably not. Let's go to the next game. Uh, we've got the Miami Heat traveling to take on the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are seven and a half point favorites. The total is 215. The Al Horford matchup might be a tough one for Whiteside, so perhaps we could see a little bit extra from, say, Bam Adebayo. Bam! 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 Gordon Haywood missed last game for personal reasons, while Marcus Smart got ejected last game. I think there's a chance he could get suspended here for Smart. If both of those guys are out, you get a boost for Marcus Morris, for Jalen Brown, and for Terry Rozier. At point guard in this game, Kyrie Irving's at 9,700. That is big for Kyrie. He is averaging over 50 over the last five games, and the matchup's not a complete negative. 
I think there are better ways to spend the money than spending it on Kyrie, but it's not a disaster. While Rogier had 37 last game with both uh, with Haywood out, then Smart ejected. And if one of those guys is out, I think you could look at Rogier as a $4,500 option. While Tyler Johnson at $4,400, just not enough reliability or upside to me. Jalen Brown's at 43 If Smart is out, I'm interested. If Smart is in, I'm not. Simple as that. While Marcus Smart at 5300 um, yeah, probably not really doing it for me. Dwayne Wade at $5,000. He's giving us 25 a night. I don't hate using Wade here for cash to try and build your lineup around. Well, Dion Waiters, whose minutes are as fluctuable as anybody in the NBA, had 30 points in 22 minutes at minimum salary. Got to have that at least in your tournament pool. Joshy Richardson turned it back on against the Bulls. He had 33 points, but at 6,300 against a tougher defense, I think I would probably end up fading him. Haywood also is a pretty strong fade. Well, Justice Winslow... Not getting to the level we need him to get to. At 6,500, I would not be interested in him. At power forward, Adebayo at 48, really interested in a tournament. While uh, Jace Tatum at 63, I think that's a pretty strong cash play for Tatum. He has been relatively um, relatively consistent. Uh, you're relatively consistent uh, through through most of the most of this season without having the necessarily big highs of last year. Horford's at 63. Too high. Whiteside at 7,000. A tough matchup against Horford, only just for tournaments, while Aaron Bainesy Baines is not someone that I'm uh, going to be super invested in. Next up, let's look at the Houston Rockets and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are favored by five points. The total is 234, but both Joel Embiid and Jim Butler, General Saunas, are both listed as questionable. If Embiid is out, you're looking at the Moose, Mike Muscala, a bump for Jonah Bolden. If Butler is out, it's a bump for Reddick and for Furkan Korkmaz as well as Timothy John McConnell. Let's have a look on Fangio at this uh, at this game. On at, at point guard, uh, Ben Simmons is at 10,000. Now, if one of Embiid or Butler are out. I love Simmons. If they both play, I'm probably less interested. If they're both out, that is real smash Simmons territory, I believe. While McConnell at 46 has a massive record against Houston's, averaging 34 the last three times, which seems astonishingly high. I think McConnell is an interesting GPP guy if Butler happens to be sidelined. Uh, Reddick at 56, I like for cash, and his value increases if Butler is sidelined. While Butler himself at 8,300. Not bad, especially if Embiid is out. Just hopefully he's ready to go. Eric Gordon at 5,500 on the Houston side of things. Uh, really like that for Gordo. No Chris Paul. He's going to get a lot of options. While Austin Rivers at 53. To me, it's a no-brainer to spend the extra 200 and take Eric Gordon. While Jim Harden at $14,000. That is a lot, obviously, because I can add up. Um, is it too much? I'm going to say probably not considering what he's doing, averaging 77.5 over the last five. Um, hard to leave him out of cash lineups with what he's doing. you just got to find the right guys to put around him. At small forward, Wilson Chandler, baby neck at 4,000. Could get some value if Butler and Embiid are out, but that would just be really for tournaments. And then Gerald Green and Jim Ennis in Houston. If the one guy I'd look at there would be Green, that's probably about it. For the power forwards, PJ Tucker's at 55. He is giving us really, really big numbers at the moment. 50, so 35 and a half over the last three is really strong for Peach. That's on the back of some pretty high steel numbers, so probably more just a tournament guy. Well, Ken Farid, there's a chance he could come here, but he's not listed on Fangio, so you're not going to get that opportunity to use him. Embiid's at 11,000. I like Embiid if he plays. Uh, that's the risk you're going to take at this point. While the Moose at 3,700, Mike Muscala would become a massive cash play and maybe a guy to pivot away from Zizic and Pachulia at the center spot if we hear that Embiid is actually ruled out. Next game is the Portland Trailblazers and the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are favored by five and a half and the total is 215. We know that Rudy Gobert has been putting up huge numbers for the Jazz. Uh, we've got Rubio, Exum, and Hull Neto still a sideline. While Mo Harkless made his return to the Blazers last game. Lillard's at 9000 Love that for Lillard. That's an $800 price drop. You take advantage of that. A strong, strong play there. Seth Curry, the only other point guard in this game. Not worth it. Kyle Korver, eh, no. Don Mitchell, 8300 I like what the Don's doing. He's not really been a 40-point guy the last couple. But at 8300 I think he's worth looking at. And Christian James McCollum at 6400 the Jazz defense makes me want to fade him and fade him pretty strong. At small forward, Harkless is at 43. You've got Jinglin Joe at 62. I think that they're really both just tournament guys and not strong at that. At that, 5,300 for Royce O'Neal. I love what O'Neal is doing. I like O'Neal here. Probably more GPP, but he is providing good numbers, and he had 40 points, albeit it was against Cleveland. 5,300 for Jay Crowder. He's just a tournament sort of a player. 
For the power forwards, Derek Favors and Alfaru Camino at 58, I would take the Chief over over Favors at that salary. He has been remarkably consistent, just a complete change in his uh, fortunes of late. And at center, Nurk is at 9,000. Love Nurkic there. Um, centers have had really good success against Gobert this season, contrary to what uh, we may have heard from last season. While Gobert at 10-6, also just churning out 50-point games back-to-back. He's actually averaging 55 over the last five. I like both Gobert and Nurkic in this one, if if you want to spend up for your big men. The last game of the day is the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers. DeMarcus Cousins is going to play for Golden State, but the Lakers are going to be without LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, and now, of course, Lonzo Ball. The Warriors are 10.5-point favorites. The total is 234.5. So a lot of ball handling is going to have to go to Ingram. We're going to have Alex Caruso in the mix, a bump for Lance Stevenson as well. At point guard, Caruso, yeah, not going to use him here, I don't think. Livingston at 35, probably not either. And then, of course, you've got Steph at 10,000. The only thing that worries me with Curry here is the blowout potential, so I'd probably end up leaning away from him. Caldwell Pope should see an extra bump in role as well. 4,600, a strong tournament guy, while Clay at 7,000 is too high. And the hitman, Josh Hart at 49, I actually think he becomes a decent enough cash play in this game. At small forward, Stevenson at minimum salary. I think this is a 25-point chance here for Lance. So he is in play as your cheap option. And Durant at 10-2. I would take Durant over Curry. Uh, at those $10,000 warrior guys, I do like Kevin here, but there is that risk. And 6700 for Ingram. This is the opportunity. $8,000 price drop, no Lonzo. A lot of ball handling coming for Ingram here. So I think that he should be he should be looking to a 40-point game. So I do like Brandon Ingram quite a bit in this um, in this matchup, given the, uh, the nature of the injuries that have struck uh, the Lakers down. The future MVP, Kyle Kuzma, he is putting up big numbers. I like him quite a bit here as well. Draymond Green, I think, is a, is a pretty strong fade for the Warriors. At center, Boogie's at 5,100. He had 31 in his first game back. I think they're going to ramp him to 20 minutes at least in this game. I like using him. That is a great salary. While Zubat's at 4,300. Are they going to be able to... How are they going to run that three-man center rotation? So it's hard to rely upon Zubat's, but he's averaging 27 in 19 minutes in the last three games. And at 4,300, if you're a 30-point upside type of a guy, which Zubat's is... Uh, he's had a 50-point game this season, too. I think 4,300 makes him in GPP territory. Looney, Chandler, McGee, I don't really see the value in any of those guys. Let's have a look at the uh, the Yahoo, not the Yahoo, the Fangio stud and value. It's Beal as my best stud, and my value play is Pachulia. As I said, those other slates are all, all over the place. Uh, for the other providers. So you can check out all the picks over and the prices and ratios and that over on Basketball Monster. Make sure you are following me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball and the network at LockedOnNBANet on both Twitter and on Instagram. My Instagram is LockedOnFantasyBasketball as well. You can check us out over there. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube where you can leave a comment and give me a thumbs up and hit that subscribe button as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Sam Decker.